Today's podcast of River City 360 is a recorded version of our live program which aired Thursday, October 25th, 2018. We're pleased that our partnership with CJNU allows us to bring views and news from around Winnipeg to the radio airwaves. And while we encourage you to support CJNU during its pledge weekend, you can support community nonprofit radio anytime by calling 204-410-2700 or by visiting cjnu.ca. Thanks, and enjoy today's episode of River City 360. Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Robert Zirk, and with me as always is my co-host Nolan Bicknell. On today's show, we are live from CJNU's studios at the corner of Portage and Main. And CJNU station manager Adam Glynn will be joining us to talk about their pledge drive that's on now and how you can contribute to this great station. We'll also be joined by Stacey Cardigan-Smith to learn about her story on Pimatuina Key and the UNESCO World Heritage Site designation. She spoke with the co-chair of Pimatuina Key Corporation, William Young, and former project manager Gord Jones. Then we'll be joined in studio by Tanjit Nagra, upcoming winner of a Manitoba Philanthropy Award for youth aged 18 to 25. We'll talk about the importance of giving back to your community and how we can make our city a better place. And finally, Sonny Primolo took a trip to the St. John's High School to check out The Gathering, and that's a collaborative event held by the Canadian Community Economic Development Network, or SEDNET, and we'll hear from their regional director, Sarah Leeson Klim. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's live episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. Thanks for handling the intro, Robert. Not I was a problem. scrambling, running around, finding my spot, and uh, here we are. Here we are. The magic of live radio. It's a pretty special day today, not only because yesterday was a election day, and mm-hmm. we have a, well, not new... Some people are new, new but we have the same mayor, Brian Bowman, won with a 53% vote. As we all know, Portage and Maine will remain closed for the foreseeable future for now. And uh, yeah, a lot of people got some new positions and it's a good time to be alive in Winnipeg. But the most important thing, CJNU's fifth annual pledge drive on now, which is pretty exciting stuff. That's right. Um, It's been... From what I understand, it's been very, very successful so far, and hopefully that momentum can keep going throughout the pledge weekend. Absolutely. Um, if I you think like the current, sorry, the current total looks like it's at uh, at seven thousand right $7, now. Seven thousand so. dollars, not too bad. If you'd like to support CJNU, keep this wonderful radio station alive, and you know, just listen to some great music. Call right now. The lines are open two zero four four ten twenty seven hundred, and whatever you can give, you know, it's a it's a great cause to give to, and it's it's a volunteer run station. So any amount of dollars that you can that you can throw down is very appreciated here at CJNU. So uh, yeah, make sure you contribute to the campaign and contribute. Tribute to the fa- the fifth annual pledge drive because it's uh, we're building community together right here on CJNU. 
Absolutely. Radio that's for listeners and uh, and by listeners as well. So um, be sure to call that number 410-2700-204, rather 410-2700, and, uh, and pledge uh, to CJNU today. We're going to learn a little bit more about this pledge drive from the man himself, the station manager here at 93.7 CJNU, Adam Glynn, uh, also host of the Full English Breakfast every uh, 9 a.m. to noon every Sunday right here on 93.7 CJNU. He's on his way into the studio we're going to talk we're going to talk pledge drive we're going to talk english breakfast we're going to talk all sorts of things with mr adam glenn so stay tuned but we always kick things kick things off with a with a song so robert what have you got for us today well it's uh you know it's the cjnu pledge weekend and we thought it was a a lovely day so here's bill withers with just that lovely day right here on 93.7 cjnu
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today on our live edition of RC360. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, it is CJNU's fifth annual pledge weekend, uh, raising money to help CJNU continue its operations for the radio station that was built for and by listeners. And we are now joined with the station's manager, Adam Glynn. Adam, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, thank you, Robert. Thank you, Nolan. It's really nice to be here. Although for me, it's always surreal to be on the other side of the desk and Great. not on the controls. You're in the hot seat I now. I trust you, though. We're gonna, so it's all good. You're in the hot seat. We're going we're gonna to really take it to you here and really grind the gears. So uh, <laughs> first question... It's a heart, it's a doozy. How are you feeling right now, now that this sort of storm is, am- is upon you? I'm feeling good. I haven't been sleeping well for the past week because I knew it was coming, but yeah. this is arguably the most exciting four days we have in our calendar each year. Uh, this is CJNU's fifth annual pledge drive. Um, there are lots of amazing organizations out there that do great, great work. Uh, we would like to think that hopefully we're one of them. We're not quite like PBS because PBS will do pledge several times a year. And we're not quite like the way that some other radio stations across the country will do their pledges because they might do it for a week. Uh, we figure we'll do it in four days. We won't intrude on anyone's day. We'll just have a four day long party where we celebrate everything that CJNU is and does and we feature, with very few exceptions, essentially every volunteer who's involved in our organization at some point during this four-day period. Well, in, the, in the office right now, it's chaos, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's all controlled madness. chaos. It's beautiful chaos. It's wonderful chaos. It's enjoyable. And of course, you know, the, the volunteers make up such a big part of CJNU, and so do the listeners as well, with it, uh, you know, with it being a community station. Um, when people contribute to the pledge drive, I understand that uh, that there are some, some nice little perks if, if people uh, decide to make a pledge, even possibly the chance to be able to co-host a show? Tell us a little more about that. So uh, we try and have as many incentives as possible, and we have a few different tiers for those. Obviously, literally every penny makes a huge difference. We're a not-for-profit cooperative. We are owned and operated by and for our listeners, as you've said, and we're a volunteer-driven organization. So I'm one of two paid staff, and as I always say, I'm cheap, because uh, (laughs) this is Winnipeg, and we want to make sure that we're spending as little money as possible to make sure that we do as much as possible so we keep our overhead as low as we can but fundraising is a huge part of what we do to stay on the air in terms of our pledge incentives if you choose to donate sixty dollars which is five bucks a month so what's that you know uh, a venti cappuccino a Starbucks. yeah other good coffee stores are available for sixty dollars or five dollars a month you get a ten dollar gift card for salisbury house Perfect. so you can go and have a nip on us for 120 dollars or 10 bucks a month you get that sales gift card and you also get an exclusive cjnu t-shirt which was designed by one of our listeners nice and the listeners very voted cool. on that during the summer months which was very very cool uh, for $240, which works out to 20 bucks a month, you get the Sal's gift card, the T-shirt, and also two tickets to go and see a concert with the Winnipeg Symphony during their oh. upcoming season. We have uh, four different concerts available and a number of dates, and it's while supplies last. So if you really want to go and see a specific WSO concert that we've got on offer, give us a call now, the pledge line 410-2700, 204-410-2700. And as you alluded to, Robert, if you pledge $500, which works out to about 42 dollars a month you get the gift card for sales you get the t-shirt you get the tickets to the symphony but you also get the opportunity to come in and co-host a show with the cjnu volunteer of your choice and that can be us hopefully that can absolutely be the two of you call right now 
we, there's, there's 2700. There's another microphone here. We need we need all the help we can get at River City 360. So come on <laughs> down and co-host with us. It'll be a blast. Yeah. So, uh, Adam, when you sit down and sort of think about this whole operation, you've mm. been here for how many years now? I've been involved as a volunteer for nearly five years, and I've been working as manager in the office for two. And so it's mostly volunteer-run, like you said, only two paid staff. Um, when you kind of look around and see the chaos, how do you feel when you see all these volunteers coming together and you hear the phones ringing off the hook and you see these numbers coming up? How, like, does it just warm you inside, or how, how are you feeling? It's incredible. Um Sometimes it's hard when you're in the middle of something and you're involved with it every day to have the perspective to take a moment and take a step back and look at what you're involved in. And what we have here at CJNU is something incredibly special because we have a group of incredibly uh, motivated volunteers and positive people who really want to make a difference in our community. CJNU has always been about two things. We call it the music and the message. The music being the greatest tunes ever recorded that nobody else in radio will touch anymore from you know the 1930s right up to now, but it's all the good stuff that nobody else plays. Right. And the message is the fact that we have this unique platform to shine a light on the good news stories happening in our community, largely across the charitable, not-for-profit, mm-hmm. arts and cultural sectors. For sure. And we want to be able to tell those good stories. So it is a genuine privilege that we have that platform and we are so lucky that we're able to continue to do good work. And it's only through direct listener support that we can continue to do that. Well said. Well, let's play, you know, you're just talking about the music that very few stations, if any, play. So if you had to pick a song, what would you like us to play here? We've got a, a so robust list. So every time somebody asks me, what's your favorite song? People know that I'm a big Beatles fan. Yeah. And I don't have a favorite Beatles song because it changes literally every week because they recorded so much great stuff. But every time I have to pick one, I always find myself picking this one. Uh, performed, of course, on the rooftop of Apple Records. It's Get Back. Right Our, here. On River City 360. Jojo was a man who thought he was a loner, but he knew it couldn't last. Jojo lived his home in Tucson, Arizona, far some California grass.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today, and we are in the midst of CJNU's Pledge Weekend. And if you'd like to uh, pledge a donation to CJNU, you can call 204 4 410-2700. And speaking of CJNU, we are uh, joined by CJNU station manager Adam Glynn. Uh, so Adam, the goal for uh, this year's pledge drive is $50,000. Yes. Um, can you tell us... Um, you know how how much did you raise last year, and uh, are you are you optimistic that you'll make it to the fifty thousand dollar mark this year? Well, uh, within the not for profit world, there are things known as BHAGs, big hairy audacious goals, and uh, we figured that fifty thousand dollars was a big hairy audacious goal. Uh, every year that we've run the pledge drive, we have uh, put a target out there, and every year we have exceeded that target. Last year we asked for forty thousand dollars, and when all was said and done, we had nearly. 47,000. So we thought that 50 seemed attainable. And the reality of running a not-for-profit radio station is that a lot of costs go up, but revenue streams don't go up to match. Mm -hmm. Uh, CJNU gets its money in a number of ways. We're a not-for-profit cooperative, so people can join the radio station, become members, literally take ownership in the radio station, which is $25 a year. And we have about 1,400 people who are members of the station right now, which is the largest number of members that we've ever had in the 12 years that we've been in existence. Nice. We also, of course, take donations, uh, like during this pledge weekend, and it's the best time to do it. It's the most fun time to do it because we use this, as I had said earlier, as a celebration of what CJNU is and does and what we stand for. Uh, We also, of course, work extensively with lots of other charities, not-for-profits, arts and culture and community organisations, many of whom will partner with us or sponsor us, so we get a little bit of advertising revenue through that, and also through small local businesses, because unlike the big radio stations in the city, who are wonderful at doing their own thing, uh, we like to work with small businesses, and we don't charge exorbitant fees, because we're never in this to make money, we're in this to cover our costs. So every year we look to try and break even as a radio station, and put just a little bit of money aside for our rainy day fund. And Pledge Drive is a big part of that, because every year we commit that at least $10,000 of what we raise during Pledge Drive will go into our rainy day fund, which is there in case, God forbid, something goes wrong. I mean, of course, we have insurance, but if our transmitter were to blow up right now, (laughs) it might take a while to get the claim through, and we would want to be back on the air as soon as is humanly possible. So it's about making sure that we have that back up there. And, of course, we have a rather big move coming in the next Mm. few weeks, which uh, I'm sure that you'll elucidate on a little bit, and then I can come back and explain a bit more about that, too. For sure. We were going to ask you about the move. Um, You're moving to the concourse of our building here, right at Portage in Maine, one Lombard place. Um, It's a little bit bittersweet, right? Because we we won't be next door to you. We won't be neighbors exactly. We'll be kind of upstairs neighbors now. But um, how's the move going? What's the plan for everything? Just kind of give us a little layout about how that's all going. Of course. So in 2013, uh, when we got our full license from the CRTC, we were approached by Rick Frost at the Winnipeg Foundation. And the Winnipeg Foundation have been one of our host sponsors and an advertiser with us since the station started in 2006. And Rick said, well, you guys have got a license now and you're doing well. How about we donate you some office space? Mm -hmm. And we said, okay, how does that work? He said, well, we're refurbishing the 13th floor here at the Richardson building. We've got 850 square feet and we think you could make good use of it. So 
in 2014, we moved in here and built our home studio and our home office. And it was the first time we had really a home because CJNU is known as being the nomadic radio station. And still, our remote studio is in a new location in the community every month of the year. And that's something that no other radio station, to the best of our knowledge in North America, if not the world, does. It's kind of crazy. It's mad. (laughs) And it was born out of necessity because we had no home. So we would ask different organizations, can you host us for a month? And people liked the idea so much that we've just continued to run with it. So we're the community station in the community. It's very cool. This past year, uh, the foundation came back and said to us, so how about we work on something a little bit bigger? And we said, bigger? And they said, yeah, because 850 square feet is starting to look quite small. And CJNU has grown exponentially as an organization. We now have more volunteers than we've ever had. You can Uh, feel it when we're at the pledge drive here. You know, everyone's kind of, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. We have over 100 active volunteers, including our board of directors, right down to people who answer the telephones and the people on the air who make the the radio station go every day. And uh, the foundation said to us, well, there's a storefront in the Richardson Concourse. It's 1,200 square feet what if we were to set that up as a new space for you? So our board of directors collectively picked up their jaws from the floor where they had dropped, and we said, that sounds amazing, thank you. So target date for our move is the 22nd of November, and we hope that with a bit of luck and some hard work, <laughs> we will be broadcasting live from our new studio in the concourse the morning of Monday, November 26th. How, how is that going to benefit the listeners? Because there's going to be a lot more foot traffic, right? So how is that going to? How is the community going to react differently to CJNU? So the 13th floor of the Richardson Building is an incredible location because we have this fabulous view of Portage and Main. But what we don't have is foot traffic. We don't have people up here because who comes to visit the 13th floor unless they're specifically coming to visit us or visit the Winnipeg Foundation or the Thomas Sill Foundation who are up here? In the concourse, we're going to be seeing members of the public literally every day of the week. We're going to be hosting our breakfast program live from the concourse every day between 7 and 9.30. We'll be broadcasting, as we do right now, two days a month on behalf of the Winnipeg Foundation every month of the year, again from our new location in the concourse. And it means we're going to have volunteers, staff available in that location pretty much 24-7, but certainly during weekdays, there will be activity there, there will be people there. I know that the two of you will still be coming in and oh, recording yeah. segments yep. for River City 360 throughout the week, so there'll always be something going on in that space, and it means that we have a permanent home in the public eye where people can come and visit us, in addition to our remote studio, which will still be out on the road. Well, we'll miss you. I know it's still a while away. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Indeed it is. Um, Thanks, Adam, for being here today and talking to us about the 5th Annual Pledge Drive. Uh, The goal is $50,000, so call, help out any way you can, 410-2700. That's 204-410-2700. Adam Glynn is the station Station manager manager here at at CJNU and the host of Full English Breakfast every Sunday at 9 a.m. Tune in for your Sunday morning delights. Thanks again, Adam. Thanks, chaps. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Stacy Cardigan-Smith, and she uh, is going to tell us all about Pimatuanaki and their recent UNESCO World Heritage Site designation. A very cool story, and it's a really interesting listen. So uh, this is a process that's been more than 15 years in the making, and Stacy's got a great story right after our next musical break. Robert, what should we play for the folks today? We're going to play Together by Paul Weston right here on River City 360.
together by Paul West, and you're listening to River City 360 on 93.7 CJMU. This past summer, Pimatuaniki received UNESCO World Heritage Site Designation. The process was more than 15 years in the making, in part because the designation required new relationships to be formed between the First Nations and the provincial governments of Manitoba and Ontario, and the development of legislation to back up those relationships as well. Our very own Stacey Cardigan-Smith unpacks this whole process for us and what it means for reconciliation and our community going forward. Stacy. As a boy growing up in Bloodvane River First Nation, William Young often heard his grandfather speak about the land. He used to tell me stories about the uh, our traditional area here, our traditional territories, the trap lines, and the life, what life was like back then. And uh, uh, he also talked about uh, the encroachment of uh, industrialism, and that uh, was something that concerned him, concerned him the most, uh, particularly the, uh, the the mining industry, because they said, he said that they would destroy the land. And we've seen that in various areas here in the country of uh, Canada, that uh, the, the pollution and the destruction it causes. And uh, that is that was his main concern. And uh, what he often told me also was that, um, that it would be uh, our generation growing up here in the community that uh, we would have to look after the land and not let industrialism uh, uh, destroy the land that, that we would have to look after it and protect it. That's why Mr. Young decided to serve as co-chair of the Pimatuan Aki Corporation. Pimatuan Aki, which in Ojibwe means the land that gives life, is a charity formed by the Indigenous First Nations communities of Blood Rain River, Little Grand Rapids, Pingassi and Poplar River, and by the governments of Manitoba and Ontario. The goal was to look after the more than 29,000 square kilometres of sacred land and obtain UNESCO World Heritage Site designation. In July 2018, after more than 15 years, that goal was realized. William was thrilled. He remembers receiving the confirmation email. I still recall that morning I received an email and how excited I was. I had to uh, compose myself. To <laughs> I sat down and I just went through my memories with uh, and visits with my granddad as I, I remembered him uh, and honored him and, uh, you know, kept his legacy alive. The process to receive the designation began in 2002 when the First Nations developed an agreement to work together to try to seek the UNESCO designation. Here is former project manager Gord Jones, who stepped away from the organization this past September after joining in 2007. And so it really, you know, really quite something that everybody stuck with it and, and stayed to the end. And so a lot of the, you know, recognition for that has to go to the people and communities who are leading this, who continued to say this is important to us for our, our future and as part of helping to you know, have our culture recognized internationally and, and as part of uh, what they believe is, is, a, is a gift to the world. You know, part, they're, they're doing something to contribute to the world in the sense of protected places 
being important and necessary to you know to balance environmental challenges that exist today. Obtaining the UNESCO designation required each First Nation in the site to develop land management plans, which in turn required the provinces to establish legislation enabling the First Nations to take the lead in developing those plans. This also was a really important change and it, it reflects kind of new policy and a new attitude about various governments need to work in cooperation and in partnerships. Uh, with Indigenous communities to make land use decisions. It can't be the old way of just, um, you know, telling communities what uh, senior governments have decided. Uh, Those kinds of policies and processes, you know, are, are fading into history, and the approach that was taken here through new legislation and helping communities uh, take the lead in planning is, is really, um, uh, start towards uh, you know new relationships. It's really, in some respects, it's all part of, of a, the type of reconciliation that's inherent in the commission and in you know provincial policies. To be able to demonstrate to UNESCO that there's a, uh, an effective management system for this place, plans that were completed, and then steps taken to regulate the protection of this area under provincial legislation was critical. That means now that, again, you have uh, communities with, uh, through their planning process, uh, uh, kind of new experience in working cooperatively with provincial governments to make decisions, go through a legislative process, and that that in itself then starts a new relationship. For Blood Vein River, the process involved working with community members, particularly elders, to determine how land and water systems should be used and protected, and planning for future economic development. Here's William Young again. This designation means that we can, uh, we have more authority to look after our traditional areas, that the governments will have to consult with the communities about their traditional territories, any encroachment in the in the area needs to be uh, passed on to the community members here and they have to get their approval first. And that doesn't mean we, uh, we're not anti-economic development. We are, uh, we're willing to work with anybody and everybody provided they consult with us and work with us and uh, we're, not, uh, we're not stopping any uh, progress whatsoever in terms of uh, economic development. Obtaining the designation was educational for everyone involved, including UNESCO. Here's William Young. We've always wanted to do was uh, work in partnership with uh, the non-Indigenous people. For them to be aware what it, what it is that we have to teach and what we want to share, and that's our culture. And we want to teach our, uh, and share our ceremonies, what they meant. The process itself and the submission into the UNESCO committee uh, itself was a learning experience for the uh, UNESCO Selection Committee, meaning that uh, uh, we had to resubmit our original uh, submission uh, and clarify what uh, culture and nature, how we intertwine the two. One example of the ways in which Williams' community of Blood Vein River demonstrated the interconnectedness between culture and the environment is through land-based ceremonies, including the sweat lodge. While the UNESCO designation will help promote reconciliation, Mr. Young believes there still may be challenges ahead. We've always been receptive to to working with the non-Indigenous people, but it's always the government officials and the various agencies that uh, 
bypassed us, so to speak, without consulting us. Uh, and we're trying to change that. Uh, we're trying to include everyone. We want to share what we have with the whole world, uh, is what's been said in our uh, board meetings. And it's not just, you know, it's not just our First Nations that are going to benefit from this designation. It's going to be the whole world. To recognize the UNESCO World Heritage Site designation, a community celebration will be held in each of the four First Nations, as well as in Winnipeg. Bloodvein River's celebration featured a community feast and performances, as well as an opportunity to learn what the designation means. Stay tuned to learn more about Winnipeg's forthcoming celebration. For River City 360, I'm Stacy Cardigan-Smith. Thanks, Stacy. Coming up next, we'll be joined in studio by Tanjeet Nagra. She's a young woman who won the Youth in Philanthropy Award at the upcoming Manitoba Philanthropy Awards that's happening on November 15th. Nolan? Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined in studio by a very special guest. I've got Tanjeet Nagra. She's the Government Relations Officer at the University of Manitoba. She's a current Asper School of Business uh, student, and she is the winner of the 2018 Manitoba Philanthropy Award for Outstanding Youth in Philanthropy, aged 18 to 25. That's a huge intro, but uh, Tanjeet, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So we're having you on the show because uh, you won this prestigious award, so congratulations. Before we get into thank get you into that, uh, but before we talk about the awards, uh, maybe just give me a little bit of history of why philanthropy is important in your life. Absolutely. Well, I think since a young age, like I've always uh, been super active. Like uh, I remember being in youth and philanthropy back in my uh, back in my high school uh, back in my high school years, and being exposed to you know different um, charities at such a young age. I think it was super important um, and kind of shaped shaped uh, my take on philanthropy today. Um, and obviously, like as a young person, you don't really have the dollars to give, but you do have the time. Um, and I think think uh, volunteering uh, in your community is just as important. Aside from not having the cash specifically, what are some like roadblocks that you see for youth that want to give back to their communities, but they can't figure out how, or they just don't really know where to, where to start? Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think the biggest thing is like knowing what's out there. Sometimes like, you know, within your own community, you don't even know about certain resources or community centers or community initiatives that are available uh, to residents uh, living around there. And I think it's important to just look for them. Right. You know, obviously like I know a lot of university students, um, you know, I hear a lot like, you know, they're volunteering at the hospitals and things like that, which is fantastic. Uh, but I think there's a lot of grassroots organizations that also could could really use an extra hand. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's several ways you can go about looking for them. The Winnipeg Foundation is a great, uh, great um, uh, resource as well. They have a list of all of all of their registered charities and things like that. And I think, uh, you know, just just taking that step to look for it. You know, sometimes it's like uh, it's like a poster on a wall. Right. You won't really notice it until you're kind of looking for it right so well i think making taking that step and then uh, seeing what's out there so what causes are, are near and dear to your heart would you say yeah so um currently right now i'm actually a board member uh, with the marlene street community resource center um so it's uh it's uh it, it's 
Marlene Street is a, a Manitoba housing unit, and um, they turned one of the uh, the actual uh, housing units into a community center, uh, resource center uh, for the residents uh, on Marlene Street, and uh, it services a lot of uh, low income, um, a lot of refugee, um, uh, uh, indigenous folks as well, um, people that uh, you know could use that extra help. Um, so I've been on the board for over two years nice. now, um, and um, uh, my my previous experience, I was president of the University of Manitoba Students Union for two years. Um, where I'm I, Sue. Yes, I'm Sue. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I I did that for two years. I. Um, um, I, I was elected to lead 25,000 undergraduate students, so a very, very tall task. For but sure. uh, while I was there, we were uh, we were able to commit uh, 16.2 million dollars to some great initiatives, awesome. uh, including scholarships and bursaries for Indigenous students, um, for uh, undergraduate research awards, for um, uh, expanding and renovating spaces for students on campus, and uh, expanding the child care center for wow. student parents. So, how, how old are you, if you don't ask me? I'm I'm turning 23. Turning this year. 23 yeah. and you're already <laughs> just making an incredible impact, an incredible difference in our city. So thank you, first well, of all, thank and congratulations. You for that. Um, what would you say to someone out there that's listening who's a young youngster like yourself and is trying to look into getting into the world of philanthropy? Like what, what do you wish a 16-year-old you knew back way back in the day? Yeah, um, well, I think... I think the biggest thing is especially in Winnipeg I think I like I I was born and raised in the city and I'm a huge advocate for it I think the city has so much potential I know we hear like oh Winnipeg's cold or you know Winnipeg sucks I want to move to Toronto or Vancouver but I think there's so much potential in the city and what I love about it is there's such a small degree of separation between us and and you know some of the big leaders or the big community leaders whether it's in business uh, in philanthropy what have you in our city and I think um, the fact that we're such a tight-knit community I personally love and I think it's such a good way to, to get out there and to meet people mm-hmm. um, you know and and I think I think when I first started getting involved I started seeing that um, but really it's just it's just, it's a great way to you know to use your extra time up yeah. right you know uh, like what else are you going to do with, with your extra time? You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking like, help people. Yeah, Why yeah, not? exactly. Get out there and help people. I mean like, you know, like obviously there's, there's hobbies and things like that. But uh, I know for me, I love personally like my time alone. So like I'd rather be helping people than like watching Netflix at home. Right. Yeah, so sure. I, like, I think, uh, I think it's a, per- it's good to find that balance. Yeah. Winnipeg's mm-hmm. is so tight knit. It's, and it's not, unreasonable to expect to have a mentor from you know someone mm-hmm. that you really look up to that you think would be unattainable in another city but because it's Winnipeg everybody knows everybody and you probably mm-hmm. know someone who knows that person who's someone that you've looked up to uh, in, in when it comes to philanthropy in the city um, there's a lot of people uh, if I could if I only had to name one I'd probably definitely say Gail Asper yeah, yeah. Uh, funny enough I actually uh, she was uh, one of the recipients last year mm-hmm. and uh, they asked me to be uh, in her uh, like AFP asked me to be in her video congratulating oh, her cool. and one year later i'm getting an award That's so it's awesome. uh it's uh kind of kind of full circle then yeah full circle i i was i was very shocked uh, uh when they when they told me uh but uh yeah no i think someone like gail asper um just gives like gives back to the community every way she can i see her everywhere at every type of event and uh i think that's that's so great for yeah, our city absolutely so let's talk about this award the you're, you're winning the outstanding youth in philanthropy award for uh people 
aged 18 to 25. What what did you think as soon as you were told that you won this award? Um, well, uh, funny enough, uh, I, uh, uh, I was told by a, a co-worker who was actually writing my application, who was looking for, um, I guess, some clarification on my application. I, I, you know, she asked me a couple questions and I was like, why are you asking me all this? And then she was like, oh, like, uh, we're nominating you for the Association of Funding Professionals uh, Youth and Philanthropy Award. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. And then she was like, oh, did I ruin the surprise? So uh, I already had like a bit of a heads up. Right. From from that uh, occurrence, and then when I got uh, when I got the letter, um, I I was super honored um, and uh, and uh, intimidated when I looked at the list of, sure. of other recipients. It's it's uh, you know I know a couple of them as well, and um, seeing what they do in the community, like I I'm honored to be on the same platform as them. Well, you belong there, from what I've read and what I've seen. <laughs> Thank and you. you're an incredible uh, young adult. And uh, I guess my ne- my last question: what What's next? What do you see on the horizon for yourself? Um, I love that question. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody does. Um, well, uh, I, I finished my arts degree at the University of Manitoba, and now I'm pursuing um, um, an MBA. Are part-time. you passionate about the arts still? Do you still? I oh, I love. I did a political studies degree, oh, and cool. um, I did a minor in business. So I really got to get my feet wet uh, in in Asper as well. And I, um, I really enjoyed it. That's why I decided to pursue an MBA. Nice. Um, and I, I love what I'm learning. I love the people. Um, a lot of international students in the Asper program right now as well. And I, mm-hmm. I love to get to know people from different backgrounds. Um, and uh, it's a very diverse group, which I'm super pleased about. And then I'm also working at the at the University of Manitoba as well, full time. I'm kind of a. I live on campus. It's my second home. Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's uh, that's what I'm kind of up to right now for yeah. at least for the next year or two. Take things as uh, they come, and I'm yeah. sure lots of opportunities will come for sure. Exactly. When I was younger, I used to plan ahead and everything, and you know, be like, I want to be a doctor, I want to do this, I want to do that. But uh, I kind of realized first year university, it's kind of good to just live live in the yes. moment, and well you said. know, month to month, see what go, goes on, and then and then see what you're into, and, and go from there. Definitely. Well, well said. You're an incredible addition to this city. So thank you for all the work that you do. Uh, you're going to be honored at the Manitoba Philanthropy Awards Thursday, November 15th at the RBC Convention Center. Tickets are still available if you want to come and be inspired by by Tanjit and by a few other people that are winning awards. Uh, you can visit mbphilanthropyawards.ca. That's mbphilanthropyawards, all one word, .ca. Uh, Tanjit Negra, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and congratulations on your award. Thank you and thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Nolan, and thank you, Tanjeet, for speaking with us. It is River City 360 here on 93.7 CJNU, and today is part of CJNU's fifth annual pledge drive. Don't forget, if you want to make a gift to CJNU, you can call the pledge line at 204-410-2700. Again, that's 204-410-2700. We've got... Thank you for listening to River City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo, and I'm here at the Canadian Community Economic Development Network's The Gathering with Sarah Leeson Clem, who is the regional director for SEDNET. Thank you for coming to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me. First off, what is SEDNET? Sure. Uh, well, we're a, a network. Uh, So we are different than other organizations. We are led by a group of members, some of which are organizations themselves, some of which are individuals. Uh, So they all came together, um, recognizing that they were doing similar work in different ways in different places, but all cared about some of the same things, uh, about creating sustainable, equitable communities. 
and using kind of economic models to do that and community-led models to do that. So they came together and created a network where they could learn from each other, they could connect with each other, and they could also build a bigger collective voice to try to reach a broader audience and talk to governments and kind of the systems that are involved in, in the work that we do. So we're a network. Sednet has been running um, this particular event for 16 years now, and you've been involved for about eight. Why did the gathering first start? Um, so United Way was hearing from their agency partners uh, that that was a need for them, that, that they, you know, they're doing very local work, very specific work, important work. Uh, they know that they could learn from each other, but it's hard to do that. Like these are small organizations often. They kind of have, have their heads down in the work. And so they needed somebody who could help bring them together so that they could start building relationships, partnerships. And um, I think more than that, sort of a culture of connecting and belonging together so that it's easier to build trust over time when you do that. So United Way started um, with lots of folks. I think the first one was probably about 100 people. I think it was at Freight House in the in the central neighborhood. Um, and then uh, I think two years or three years in, they thought this should really be owned by one of the community groups. And because Sednet's so broad and has a, a range of members, they thought this would be a good a good re uh, relationship and hosting place. So we took it on. So we've been doing it since with United Way as our lead partner and, and supporter and then a whole range of, of other funders, sponsors, planners, uh, everybody that anybody and everybody who wants to be part of it. What is the goal for the gathering? Well, the goal now, we, we say that our hope is that this gathering brings community builders together to connect, learn, and celebrate. And each of those words mean something to us. So connections, we want people to leave the day knowing 15 more people doing work that's meaningful to them. And, and we, we hope that over time that leads to new partnerships and new relationships between folks. Um, learning, of course, they're, they're going to a whole range of workshops, a plenary session, um, and our learning is really focused on peer learning. So the, the workshop leaders are our community leaders that are doing work here rather than bringing in other kinds of speakers. So they, again, hopefully are connected to that work. And then Celebrate, it's just it, a lot of this work is hard. And so we want people to have a, at least one moment in the year where they know that they're part of something bigger and they feel that sense of solidarity and, and reciprocity and excitement about their work. But, uh, but we hear from a lot of folks that um, this is the way that they orient their staff teams. They send new folks here to, to learn. They, they close their doors and bring their whole team together to learn together. So I think the, the power of that is, is, you know, when we have those shared experiences, it gets a lot easier to collaborate down the road. Absolutely. So you actually have some pretty amazing speakers on your plenary uh, discussion panel. Can you share with us who they are and uh, what they mean to the community? Our planning team created this theme. It's called the Edge of Change, and and uh, we're talking about feeling uncertain and a bit foggy about what the world is like right now and how to move forward. And so they said we can't just hear one voice about that. It needs to be more than one voice. And uh, one of the most exciting things that's changing is that a diverse set of voices is is leading the way in a in I think a more prominent way than ever before. So they said it needs to be intergenerational. It needs to be from diverse communities, and it needs to be from folks doing really different kinds of work. Um, so we kind of put our thinking caps on and made a big list of names and, and narrowed it down, and we came to this incredible panel. So uh, Elder May Louise Campbell, she's uh, you know someone later on in her journey. She's 84 years old, and she's kind of a pillar in this community. She's been involved in so many initiatives and provided a lot of um, like spiritual but also 
practitioner kind of support over over time. Um, and then uh, Abdi Ahmed is part of Immigration Partnership Winnipeg, has also been involved in in ERCOM and other organizations working with newcomer folks. Is a is a I think he's been here for a while, but was a newcomer to Canada at one point as well. And just brings a, a clarity of vision and a presence. And uh, he's sort of relentlessly positive, but he also has a really cr- critical lens. So we, we know that about him and thought that would be meaningful. And then to kind of represent some of the new movements that, that are coming forward, we, we were able to get Uzoma Azaguara to join us, who helped to found uh, QPOC, Queer People of Color Winnipeg, and is emerging as this very clear, strong voice about how previously oppressed or excluded voices. They've been doing good work. They always have been, and it's time for them to, to lead the way. And uh, and then I needed someone to help lead the conversation. And I thought to myself, who better than Molly Dunbar, who's a, a neighborhood immigrant settlement worker with West Central Women's Resource Center, also a dear friend. And she's been a gathering coordinator, a gathering volunteer, a gathering presenter. Uh, she's a SEDNET member. She's just totally hooked into this work. So she's she's thinking about it. She's curious and, and has a, a real seeker's spirit. So uh, I thought she would be a great person to lead the conversation. An amazing group of speakers. We will have some of those speakers on River City 360 next week. Um, but before that, can you tell me about some of the workshops? Like, what kind of workshops are you offering here today? I'm not going to be able to remember all of them, I don't think. So we, we uh, it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure day. We've got, I think, 31 workshops today. Um, and they, they really span the gamut. Like, community work is so broad, and we want that to be reflected. So we've got a few... Uh, led by uh, folks working in food work. So there's one about food insecurity and understanding that world. There's one by Food Matters Manitoba um, talking about how all these programs that offer food in their in their programming can do that really healthy food, but do it on the tight budgets that they're working with. So kind of practical advice. We've got a couple about kind of how we use data and evaluation in our work. I think that's increasingly on my, the minds of people. That's you know what governments are asking for. It's what funders are asking for. And I think it's also kind of what people are wanting. They want to know that the work that they're doing is actually achieving something. So we've got a number of evaluation workshops. Um, a couple that I'm excited about that I you know wish I could get into. There's one called Business and Reconciliation, which I think will be interesting. Uh, Winnipeg Poverty Reduction Councils brought a couple of their employer consortium members that are working on how to do better better employment, better inclusion of Indigenous folks in the workforce, and Assiniboine Credit Union's partnering on that, looking at their some of the initiatives they've taken on to, to be a leader in that way. We've got a media panel. Community folks have a hard time talking to media sometimes, so we've got a panel of folks from different media outlets uh, here to answer questions uh, from community folks. Uh, so yeah, it ranges, it ranges widely. Some of it's storytelling, some of it's skill building, and, and um, yeah, I think anybody would hopefully be able to find a really good session for them. Absolutely. Something for everyone, really. Uh, So for those interested in attending next year or are interested in other SEDNET services or events, where can they go? Uh, So we have one kind of core website that that collects all of our national information. And that uh, is probably easier to search. If you go to Google and search Canadian CED Network, it'll pop up. But the address is www.ccednet.com. RCDEC.ca. Uh, from there, uh, if you look at events, you can see about the gathering. We've got a static page on there that that will have highlights from this year, and then as soon as we get going into next year, the the information will be there. We also host a national conference that moves around every year called Econis or Our Economy. Um, and that uh, that moves around. I don't think we have a location yet for next year, but it's also an amazing opportunity 
from there, you can get into the rest of our programs and see what's happening either here in Manitoba or with the network nationwide. Again, thank you very much, Sarah, for coming on our show today on River City 360. Is there anything that you would like to add before we go today? Yeah, I think the thing I would add is even though things kind of feel tough right now, it feels heavy, but when you turn to your neighbors and you turn to your community, there's really incredibly hopeful stuff going on. And I think it's that's that's where we're going to find hope is when we turn to our local communities and start building solutions from the people that know what's up, know, know how to make this work. So, you know, come find out more about that and, and join us. Everyone's welcome as a member of SEDNET. Everyone's welcome to our events and uh, we look forward to meeting new folks soon. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360 live from CJNU, CJNU's fifth annual Pledge Drive. Thank you so much for tuning in today and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well. And remember, we can only bring you these community stories on the radio airwaves because of our wonderful partnership with CJNU. So be sure to support CJNU in its Pledge Drive. The number to call is 204-410-2700. Again, the number is 204 102700 River City 360 Views and News from Around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And thank you again so much to everyone for listening to the show today and thank you for supporting your community station CJNU. We really appreciate it and we'll see you next week. Have, Have a, a great, great day, day and, and a, a great, great weekend. weekend.